Well, yes, it has been a year, uh, and uh, a tricky year to summarise, uh, but we've given it a shot, or I've given it a shot. Lee did nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Look, I'm not going to lie, I do feel bad about that every year when you deliver this thing, because... The degree of complexity is very high. It's very high. And it's like she did it for one year and then suddenly it turned into, well, now you have to do that every year. And it always seems, because this show's at the end of the year and as everyone knows, it's stressful and it's busy, it seems to always land in Crab's worst week of the year and then it gets to Thursday night, 11pm, and she's like, I haven't written that Sonic 12 Days of Christmas. So my daughter, Kate, who's in the audience tonight, she's turning nine tomorrow, best birthday morning ever, because she's like waking up and She came by where I was, you know, fervently tapping out the last bits of it at six o'clock this morning, and she said, Mum, is that thing for tonight? And I said, yes, it is. She said, oh, so why are you only just doing it now? (laughs) I'm like, sweetie, (laughs) have we met, eh? And then she said, but how long have you known that this show is actually... (laughs) A year, Kate. Actually, two, because it was postponed. But anyway, happy birthday, sweetie. I'll try to be better. All right. Uh, um, I'm going to... Okay. Do you have enough breath? Oh, possibly. I don't know. Right. <clears throat> Some of it gets a bit uh, tricky towards the end. So, you know, we're not professionals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> On the first, On the first day, day of Christmas, ScoMo gave to me a car park in, in the CBD. CBD. Sorry. <laughs> You did it right. I did it wrong. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Would you pick up your game, please? Oh. You know, do you think it's enough that you wrote three pages of complex lyrics you can just rest on your laurels when you get on stage? <laughs> no wonder Shane doesn't want to go out with you. <laughs> it's too soon to make jokes about Shane. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, I feel really worried. It's, a disaster. it's already a disaster. I have okay. to thank the viewing audience at home for putting okay. up with me. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. Don't switch off and go over to the cricket, <clears throat> please. <laughs> okay, this time. Okay. Just let, give me a minute to stop laughing. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. On, On the, the first day of Christmas, ScoMo gave to me a car park in the CBD. On the second day of Christmas, ScoMo gave to me two Olympic pools and my gun club got new facilities. On the third day of Christmas, the Federal Treasury said, stay at home now, we'll pay your wages and abolish all your childcare fees. Nice deal. On the fourth day of Christmas, Josh Frydenberg decrees Harvey Norman's free to join the spree. That's okay by me, but there's not for universities. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. In In the the midst of all this, Christine Holgate gave to me watches of gold. Can't she understand 20 grand? God, that's out of hand. Because there's nothing worse than profligacy. Can't bear it when people throw money around. Programs that waste money and... Makes me sick. No good. On the sixth day of Christmas, the US gave to me Donald Trump inciting instability. What an overreach, capital breach, fix it with some bleach. Guess we'll see you back in 2023.
Looking forward yes. to that. <laughs> It'll be a real fun. Okay. On the seventh day of Christmas, the folk at Ataki said, Yo, disaster, you know that Astra might give you class. Pfizer's running low, dear God, no, Kevin's good to go. Turns out no one called the bloody MD. On the eighth day of Christmas, I switched on Sky TV. Ratings are limping, details are skimping, Craig Kelly pimping drops meant for fleas. Jesus, what a boob, even YouTube said this guy's a rube. Should have stuck with Lee on 7.30. Yeah! On the ninth day we saw the return of Barnaby Thank God a hero won't cop net zero Oh, he can't be serious, now he's bought a Prius Can it pull a van? ScoMo signed a pact, it's intact He is sure to act in a quarter of a century On the tenth day I tuned into the ACH this is like one of those steeplechases where eight times out of ten the horse falls over. It happens okay. all the time at work when there'll be some complex pronunciation coming up of some place name. More you rehearse. The producer will come in my ear and say, now, you know, it's, it's X and it's not Y. And the fact that they've said Y and it means that I'm almost guaranteed to say it. And the feeling is like I can see it coming up in the auto cue and it's like I'm a horse going... <laughs> and then just as it gets there... <laughs> fantastic volcano. Remember a few years back and everyone's just like, whoa, sheets, we can't report This that. is one out the back that we said, this is a really hard one. You were like, I know, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I was very tired. Okay, here we go. Okay, let's go. Okay. On the tenth day I tuned into the ICAC. Saw poor old Gladys. Gee, she dates some baddies. Still, it's mainly gotchas. Not like she gave watches. Twerds 20 G. Just a shooting Just a range. shooting range. Ain't life strange. Just a shooting range. Ain't life strange. Time for a change. Maybe she should be a federal MP. Did you check the news after you wrote this? I knew that you were going to ask that. Yes, I wrote it last night. And yes, I know she's clarified today. And thank you for pointing it out, Lee. Because obviously you've been very helpful with this whole process. Thank you very much. On, On the, the 11th, 11th day of Christmas, what is this I see? ScoMo's going nuclear, but he can't pronounce it. Neither can Albo. Jesus Christ, we're all doomed. That phone's getting dirty. Because we did the dirty sheer perfidy. I don't think I know. I don't think I knew. I don't think I know. <laughs> Biden's, Biden's on the Biden's, Biden's on the ball. <laughs> this is a continuation. This is going very well, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Biden's on the ball. Can't recall Scomo's name at all. Mate, you should have stayed in Waikiki. On the twelfth day of Christmas there came a mutiny Grace Tamer speaking, power structures creaking Women up for fighting, no more shit gaslighting Just ask Bridget Archer or ten thousand marchers Fourth Brittany (laughs) 
Parliament is rank. A desk? A wank? People, let's be frank. 2021 can get in the sea. My, yeah. my hat is off to you. That is a very incredible summary of the year. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, well, yeah. It's, it, it can get in the sea, can't it? It can, it can really get in the sea the whole year. Anyway, look, um, it is super nice to be back in Canberra in this space and it's less smoky and... Um, just a sea of great faces, and um, I want to just say a big shout out to Corinna House, um, our <laughs> event. <laughs> because you know, terrible year for women. I would have used a stronger word, except my daughter is the swearing police, and I've only been authorised to say one swear this evening. But um, bad, yeah, tough year for women. And Corinna um, House is just a great, uh, great organisation that puts the hard yards into making women's lives better and um so yep that's our charity partner for this evening yes yes have you got a spare dollar this christmas um that's who we're donating to that's right so um thank you to that very loud group of Carinya house acolytes (laughs) and i know that you have the support of everyone in this room um Another, um, just by way of mention, this is um, being beamed live to many, many households around Australia because we felt really bad that over the last two years we've cancelled so many live shows and so everybody's missed out. This one we could still do, which is uh, amazing. And so um, thanks, Jeremy, for organising the live stream, which means that people can join in. um, And Gwen, because she's absolutely not busy enough at this time of year has also, she's like, what about you know, because we, we're selling books afterwards which we'll happily sign for you but what about people in the live stream, you know there should be some sort of merch that they can have access to, so she's bunged on free postage for people who are watching the live stream or in the audience here, um, she'll have everything in the mail by Monday, if you want something uh, from the merch stand, you just have to enter the code uh, discount code uh, 12 days <laughs> One, two, D-A-Y-S, and, uh, well, Gwen will be up all night posting things, so... um, (laughs) That's all right. Posted Monday, so could be there by Christmas, should be there by Christmas, but you never know, do you, because (laughs) the world is crazed. The... uh a lot of people over the past couple of years have often sort of sent messages or commented on posts to say, oh, can you please come to, you know, so-and-so? And we often get messages from all around the place about when we can um, go to places. And actually, one of the fun things, uh, we had a bit of an ordeal getting down here today because of the weather. Um, Jeremy and I had a lovely trip discussing the new Beatles documentary, our favourite Beatles songs. We talked about when you were having a sleep, places that we could take Chat 10. We hatched all sorts of excellent, interesting places that we could go. So no wonder I I woke up feeling a bit overcommitted. <laughs> I did actually. She woke up to an oh, I feel a bit rough. <laughs> it is actually highly traditional for us to have some sort of day of the show snafu where we're just having a heart attack trying to get to the place. And this was, you know, this morning there was um, a bit rainy, obviously, um, and in Sydney there was just sort of just dire thunderstorm warnings. Sales has popped off to the airport, and we've 
you know, driven into the tunnel to head to Canberra and then we start getting messages saying, I've shut the airport. <laughs> there's not even any runways open. Yes, no, they do. They said, oh. like, do you want us to turn around? She's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. Don't know. <laughs> We're turning around. <laughs> and then I'm like, we'll pick you up at the priority pickup area. She's like, well, where's that? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to explain to her where the priority pickup area is. I think she just only catches limos. So, you know, it's just like, the helipad shouldn't we just meet there <laughs> no it was we um, got here. They there said was a flood the federal highways was blocked off it was it went by yes we had to come by yes which allowed me to say things like yes is visible from space and uh, <laughs> wow yes is looking a lot bigger these days than it used to right am i right sorry yes people i'm a child <laughs> Now, uh, the camera show, we traditionally do our best ofs for the year. So um, let's hit it. Yeah, because you've prepared lists. And yes, this I've got is my list. Bit, I got my list. She emailed me about the list like three weeks ago. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking for the lists on my... <laughs> All right. So I did mine just after I finished the... Song. <laughs> yeah. But, do you know, looking back, I thought... I thought I had so much stuff because I feel like... Well, I haven't gone anywhere... And I feel like I've been consuming stuff, but when I even just went to the first category that you kindly set out in your matrix, um, <laughs> best non-fiction book, and I thought, I actually have read less non-fiction this year than I ordinarily would. Like, I ordinarily would have at least sort of an even split. Have you read more fiction or have you been reading less generally? I've been reading more fiction. Mm, that's Maybe because I just can't bear the real world, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I generally have read less this year and I think it's because for some reason my concentration's kind of shot. I feel like I can't... um, I don't know. I I feel like the COVID years, there's been a lot of background noise and so to immerse in a fiction book I've found kind of hard. Yep. Um, Charlotte Wood has just actually written a really interesting book about this called The Luminous Effect and she talks about her experience as a writer in lockdown and she said that she kind of started off by just trying to stuff into her brain, you know, let's do interesting things, have Zooms, you know, sketch from nature and, you know, listen to podcasts. But it all just got so loud and overwhelming that she ended up just fixing up her garden and, um, and consuming less stuff to kind of um, expand into the silence rather than defeat the silence around her. It's really interesting. It's a very good book. Um, and that is a non-fiction book that I've read this year that I really liked, so hooray for me. I've pulled that out of my absolute clacker. Um, <laughs> what about... You've read more non-fiction than I have this year, I think. So is that your favourite non-fiction? No, I'm just... I'm oh. just I, I, like oh. to, I like to mention a bunch of ones that I really liked. So I can't I... tick off non-fiction off my list yet, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Okay, I, I, so two non-fiction books I really liked for different reasons. One was a book called Fully Human by Steve Bidolf, which I talked on the podcast about. Um, it was a book about listening to your whole body, not just allowing your intellect to override your emotions or to override your physical sensations. And normally books, books like that I tend to run a mile from, but I found it actually really useful. But keep book. on scribbling, Steve, because, you know... <laughs> No, I just, so you think so? You'd run a mile from it because you just think this sounds like a, just a no, just self-help. As you know, I don't really like as a genre because I f- I get worried that it's about making people feel bad about you know where they're at kind of thing and that they need to do better all the time. And I worry that the prescriptions are kind of like when I think of self-help, I think of like a Jordan Peterson kind of manifesto. It's not helpful. 
but this book was actually really helpful. So, and it, and it was written in a very accessible kind of way. So I, I really liked that. And then I also loved the other one. I loved was These Precious Days by Anne Patchett, which I've seen now. I read it before it came out, but I've seen it now around in um, shops if people need Christmas. You got an early copy, did you? I did just because your mates or I'm special. Okay. Um, so it's it's a collection of essays, and she has, and I also found it again useful in the COVID era. She has this very easy hooky kind of writing style that just it's it, it it's what she's one of those writers it reads like it's effortless which you mean you know that therefore it's really good writing um and it's just a collection of essays about all sorts of different eclectic little slice of life things and it's just a really beautiful book that it's easy to dive in and out of so i really like that and an honorable honorable mention to Heartsick by jesse stevens oh yeah i which was, read that and i have to because you talked about that'd be a good so. christmas holiday read actually yeah it's a book about uh, it's non-fiction it's three people and she follows their relationships from kind of the start to the breakup and so it's about I guess the process of having your heart broken and it's really well done. Does sound like a very cheering holiday <laughs> read. <laughs> no, it's just no, I remember you talked about it because I specifically remember that you said um, you picked it up and you started it and then you couldn't put it down like you stayed up. Yeah I was up really late. late. Yeah well, which yeah. is always the sign. What have you um, got? Well I just think there is a just a head and shoulders queen of this division for me this year, um, having already said that I didn't read that much non-fiction, but uh, Helen Garner's um, oh, yeah, that was great. L- most recent diaries just out, uh, just an extraordinary piece of work. And I mean, obviously non-fiction, they are drawn from her life, but they have this pool of fiction about them. Um, she's obviously anonymised um, specifically her husband to whom she was married when their diaries were being written but I found it so striking in this year of COVID because the themes in the book are all about her struggle to find a place to work to find a place to be a writer she had to um you know, leave her flat that she shared with her husband between nine and five because he was working on a book and couldn't be disturbed. And I don't know, the thought of Helen Garner having to sort of get on a bus and ride around and work in a public library or borrow a friend's spare room and just, I don't know, it really really bugged me. And um, I think there is a great benefit in reading this woman's thoughts, you know, a quarter of a century ago and... Um, knowing what we know now about what happened to her career and the fact that she, despite her initial and widely canvassed in these diaries, feelings of insubstantiality, that all she did was write about sort of silly women's affairs and concerns and that she wasn't tackling these sort of big barn door-sized novelistic issues. Um, It was a powerful read and an infuriating one and um, a remarkable book. It also, um, I thought that book had a remarkable sense of place. It's, they're living in Elizabeth Bay and she's in Elizabeth Bay and Potts Point quite a lot. And I really felt like a sense of that location as well. Um, yeah, I, I agree. wouldn't know. I haven't been allowed to go there for like... That was wonderful. Fiction, I was kind of the opposite to you. I read hardly, I mean, I didn't read a lot at all, but I certainly didn't read a huge amount of fiction. Um, but my favourite was an old book, which was The Remains of the Day by Katsuo Shiguru. Oh my God! I, that it pronounced Book of the Year. It uh, blew by years my years twenty-five after. years later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 25 I this, years ago? I think this guy. I mean, Lee Sales has named it. I think this guy's really got something. 
<laughs> if he keeps at it, he could really make something of himself. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. And it was, again, you know, I know we have this conversation on the podcast a lot, which we say these things that are very, very famous, and then we get to them late, and then we think, oh, why didn't I read it? Having said that, I do think that books sometimes land at a time in your life when you're not quite ready for them or it's not the right time and you read them at a different point and they really land. I don't know if I'd read The Remains of the Day 25 years ago if it would have landed, but it absolutely landed this year. It just, it was, I also couldn't stop reading it and it just, it's stayed with me so, so much. So that was... you read Charles Dickens. He's amazing too, (laughs) I guess. Uh, the other book I just wanted to mention that I liked a lot was Night Blue by Angela O'Keefe. That was the one about blue poles. And that I liked that so much that I actually was in Canberra and I sort of put in an extra hour so I could quickly race to the gallery and have a look at blue poles because I hadn't seen it for years. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, I think the most striking thing that I read this year is a book called She is Haunted by Paige Clark. I raved about it to you at the time. It's actually a book of short stories and... You know, I um, do read a lot of fiction, but it was um, a book that absolutely grabbed me in the originality of its style and the drama, and um, I found it just really arresting. So that's um, that's a magical book that I read this year. Um, but I also recently read um, Love and Virtue by Diana Reed. I don't know if um, it's really only just freshly out. And um, I think when you were being unkind about Sally Rooney in the podcast, I said, well, it's like Sally Rooney, only things happen. Um, but it's great. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of an undergraduate drama story set at Sydney University um, but it's got a, a tautness and a maturity and a drama that is like it's I was absolutely ready to read this book when I read it, it because it was um, a strong narrative very intriguing and um, beautifully executed and um, a first time novelist she's absolutely nailed it um, also loved this year um, After Story by Larissa Barrent who uh, just continues to be a um, prodigious contributor to Australian society on many levels. But this novel, which is about um, a young lawyer who travels to um, the UK and does a sort of literary walking tour, and as she walks around with her, with her mother, reliving all the personal dramas and privations of these famous writers, she finds out more and more about the things that her mother has lived through. It's just a completely perfect idea for a book and beautifully executed. I thoroughly recommend that one too. Okay, what about TV and film? Right. So I went to the actors the other night, uh, which um, I find those events very stressful. <laughs> Surprise. You've got to get all gussied up. And that was in the middle of the day. So you had to get all frothed up. Why was it in the middle of the day? Well... I think because it was filmed and then it was broadcast, but they filmed it and then quickly edited out all the bits where people were rude and then put the cleaned up version to air. So, and the whole thing, it went for hours, like just hours. Um, the hypo was definitely Costa, um, who won a couple of awards. Gardening Australia won an award and Costa won an award. He just like leapt up onto the stage and just sort of, he was like a crazed leprechaun of joy and. <laughs> this really good thing, right? He was just said, I just, you know, he was very excited, very thrilled that a program that is about, you know, looking after plants and caring for country could be, you know, win this popular vote as, you know, the greatest TV show. (laughs) 
I just thought, good on you, Costa. He's a, just a terrific dude, and um, and I was very happy to see that award happening. Anyway, so apart from that, yeah, really dragged. I mean, it was a long, long <laughs> ceremony. But one of the things that I thought was, God, I feel like I've been watching television all year, and then half of these things I haven't seen. I felt really stupid about that. Like, I mean, I watched Total Control. Don't miss the um, uh, finale, which is... Um, what day is today? It's on Sunday, um, which I just have been absolutely gripped by. I think that, that is a great production. Um, but I think that the program, that the TV show that I saw this year that really captivated me more than anything was one that I watched, um, Jeremy and I watched with our kids, at the M- Mysterious Benedict Society, which oh, is, yeah. you know, I mean, um, the kids loved the books. It was this show that we watched together um, and it's kind of magical and quirky and just funny and are you, I've got the thumbs up from my kid. <laughs> That's good. Um, and we just could not wait for the next episode to drop. And it was part of this sort of now fashionable thing where you go back to actually dropping an episode a week rather than binging everything at once. Yeah, that you put our family onto that and exactly the same experience. The kids loved it. We would watch it every Friday night. It was a really fantastic um, show. I uh, Top of my list, and I really enjoyed a few things this year, um, is Bo Burnham Inside, uh, which was a documentary. Well, actually, it's hard to categorise it. It's on Netflix. Bo Burnham is the name of the comedian. It's called Inside because it's basically his experience... Uh, of a year in New York sort of locked down and it it was unbelievable it's it's kind of a musical it's kind of comedy it's kind of stand-up it's kind of a documentary it's really hard to categorize it I felt a man going a bit mad in his own house a little bit yeah yeah. which I I felt I felt like I really related I felt like it um the only way I can describe it is I felt like it stretched me to the four corners of my brain I felt like it pushed so many different emotions and buttons at the end of it even though I was sitting alone in my living room I applauded heartily because it was so amazing if I'd been in a theater you're that lady if I'd been in a theater and it was a live show I would have leapt to my feet and given a standing ovation it was absolutely amazing um I also loved call my agent um the French um show which is about a group of um film agents and the actors who they manage in every episode a different you know, legitimately famous French actor appears. It was one of those shows where as I was approaching the final episode, I was just eking it out so slowly because I couldn't bear the thought of not having these people in my life anymore and I just absolutely loved it. And it also was, you know, given that we're not travelling anywhere, just looking at shots of Paris all the time was just so pleasurable as well, so I loved that. And then... And you speak French again now after watching that for a bit? No. <laughs> I don't think. I know. I know. That was the moment of the year, wasn't it? Just like that little smile on that guy's face. (laughs) Gone. (laughs) I don't think. I I don't think. Um, And special mentions to Girls Five Ever, which. Yes, love I just that. constantly walked around going, what are you waiting five? Um, and the Australian story, Luke Longley episode. Oh, I put that on my little long list too. Right. My Luke Longley long list. Podcast. Long list. No, no, wait, I've got one oh, more sorry. thing to say. Because yes. um, if you're going to be allowed to have some others, I also um, put Luke Longley's Australian story down. And um, We Are Lady Parts just oh, yeah. was a series that just made me... So happy to be alive. So um, if you like, my children couldn't see it because it's so sweary. But um, if you liked Girls Five Ever, will you like We Are Lady Parts? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So We Are Lady Parts um, 
is um, a story about an all-girl Muslim punk band, um, the lead the guitarist of whom is so frightened of performing in public that she vomits um, every time she does so, and, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. Um, very, very funny and great show. Podcasts, I think my favourite single episode of anything was um, an episode of the Rob Lowe podcast, literally with Rob Lowe, and it was called Exterior, Night, Jungle, Rain. The guest was Michael J. Fox. Um, And it was just... Their conversation was just so engaging and hilarious, and I just I really love Michael J. Fox, and so I, I absolutely adored that. I think he's such a quality person. Um, at the other end of the spectrum was Trashy Divorces, <laughs> which I also really liked. Uh, it's kind of funny and just your podcast of the yeah, year. It's just, it was so light and easy. I just wanted light and easy. Um, and I also, even though it's not a podcast, it kind of fits. I really loved hearing Matthew McConaughey read Green Lights. You are such a sucker for the celebrity memoir. I love really a celebrity are. memoir. They're just, it's just so, uh, it doesn't require any thought. It's just like a nice warm bath. Love and it. Particularly if they absolutely set themselves on fire. It, and particularly because they all read really well, of course, you know, the actors. So, Michael, over Christmas last year, I, read, I listened to, and I don't do audiobooks often, but I listened to Michael McCon- Matthew McConaughey doing Green Lights and Michael Caine doing Blowing the Bloody Doors <laughs> Off. And they were both just. I just, it was just like being in their company was just so fantastic. Did you, um, you know how you interviewed, what's his face? Oh, sorry, I can't remember anyone's name anymore because I'm very tired and it's 2021. <laughs> um, the dad from Succession, Brian oh, Cox. Oh, Brian Cox, yeah. Brian Cox. So you liked his memoir because it was a full oh, set yourself on fire situation. If you like the kind of memoirs we like, which is somebody who just writes what they honestly think and they seem to not care what anyone might think when they're reading it. They seem to not care about offending anyone. Brian Cox's is the one to read. It was Because he's also he's been around a really long time, so he has stories about everybody, but there's a bit about... Can you have something like, so dreadful to say about like Laurence Olivier or something? He, well, oh, Michael Caine was... I mean, many people actually, Johnny Depp as well, but yeah, Michael Caine, he said something about, you know, I'm no great, you know, great fan of Michael... Oh, that's right. I'm not really a great fan of Michael Caine, but, you know, he's Michael Caine, he's an institution, and being an institution will always beat having range. <laughs> and it was full of remarks like that, but told in a really engaging way, and he's worked with amazing people and done lots of things, and then he talks about succession. Just as an aside, not, not one of my favourites of the year, but everyone is talking about it, the New Yorker profile of Jeremy Strong, who plays... I really liked that a lot. That was amazing. Um, but... Brian Cox in the memoir, his memoir kind of alluded to, it's called Putting the Rabbit Back in the Hat, he kind of alluded to Jeremy Strong having some odd work practices. Jeremy Strong's the Kendall Roy character, like so super intense, and the main kind of reveal of this New Yorker profile, which is just makes me want to giggle helplessly, is that they, everyone agrees that he uh, does not think the show is a comedy and is playing the role like Hamlet. Like, essentially. Yeah. He's, and it's that, that paragraph unlocks the whole key to why his character is so fantastic and why it's so funny. And it's because he... And there's this fantastic sequence... Literally does not get the joke. Yeah, Kieran, Kieran Culkin, who's also in succession, tells the reporter, um, you know, I once mentioned... Jeremy once said to me, I'm really worried that people might think this show's a comedy. And Kieran's like... 
yeah, I think it is a comedy. And he said Jeremy was, like, absolutely flawed. And then the reporter says to Jeremy, I think it's a comedy as well. And Jeremy's, like, what, in, in the same way that Chekhov's comic? Or, or like, he couldn't <laughs> quite get it. Anyway, it's amazing. But the other thing that was great was that they revealed that he had this kind of lifelong obsession with Daniel Day-Lewis. And he'd basically been like Daniel Day-Lewis's Batman on some film that he'd done. And... Yeah, it was, and so hence the extreme method. And acting. completely obsessed with Daniel Day Lewis, and were just attached to him, <laughs> and just like Mr. Day Lewis doesn't want to talk now. And then once held up a piece of foliage in the background oh. of like my left foot or something. I don't know. I there was, was a, there was an account of a film set on which Jeremy Strong was playing a role, and it was a scene that he was not even in, and it was a funeral, and he wasn't even in the scene, and he spent the entire day pacing the edge of the place where they were shooting, weeping and beating his chest. <laughs> Anyway, it's a, it's a superb profile. I just think method um, actors are very amusing, but I do not, I can't understand them. Probably because I'm sort of, well, I'll just write it the day before the show and see what happens. Well, I think but Brian Cox, I'm not going to go live in the Antarctic or, you know. Brian Cox said something like, uh, he's, and he's quoting somebody else, but he, with the whole method acting thing, he's like, you can do that or you could try this thing that we call acting. <laughs> So crushingly awful. Did you have any podcasts that you were keen on? Yeah, I, I, so one podcast that I've been listening to just, I mean, with a sort of upsetting degree of attention and obsession is the Bad Blood podcast about Elizabeth Holmes. Um, and I, it's by John Carreyrou and, you know, we both read the Bad Blood book, which is about the Theranos empire set up by oh, Elizabeth Holmes. You, I didn't, you, know. you did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought I remember having quite a satisfying conversation with you about it, but obviously that was no, you were just quite one-sided then. It's okay. like the eggs thing. It was very much about the eggs. i got more thoughts on eggs. But anyway, and there's a lot more butter content. So anyway, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with that story, but I really am. I'm actually listening to two podcasts about it. There's another one which makes me think that I'm unwell. Um, but I think... I think, actually, that as a, you know, lifelong um, kind of imposter syndrome person, I'm just really drinking in the story of someone who is a genuine fraud. Because I just think, well, at least you're not that much of a fraud. Like, I think that's why I find it comforting, because I just think, well, she is well over the top. Like, you know, you're not that bad. <laughs> and also someone... Hearing the story about someone who's in much more trouble than you're in is also re- relaxing, I find. <laughs> this evening's making me realise why I could never be a princess, because I reckon about five times I've reached for my tiara to pull it down like a pair of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons you'll never be a princess, Mark. It's the only reason I wouldn't cut it as a princess. Um, cooking. What do I do? Wait, wait, wait. Um, that's not actually my favourite podcast of the year, though. <laughs> That was just a little palette cleanser. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going back to the 16th century for this one. No, joking. <laughs> no, also joking. Um, so I actually think that this podcast that I've really listened to and um, loved this year is actually that one by the Financial Review called The oh. Sure Thing. Oh, how did I forget that? Well, yeah. um, and it's, it's about those two guys that got done for insider trading. It's like, it's an ASIC podcast, basically, guys. So obviously... Um, did I tell you about the thing that just happened to me, by the way? Because the next six months, you know, the first few months of next year are just completely just a train wreck of 
projects for the ABC that have been shunted forward from this year and there'll be an election in there somewhere so that makes it a bit of a, um, a, a disaster. And then, when I was just bemoaning this the other day, I opened my mail, jury duty. I've been called up for jury duty. <laughs> no, but not even just... Because everybody secretly wants to be on a jury, right? I mean... Is it just me? Maybe it's just me. But I've always said to Jeremy, I would love to be on jury duty as long as it's not white-collar crime because I'd fall asleep immediately and it'd be no good. Uh, guys, it's a six-month federal court criminal trial. You know what that means? That's white-collar crime, baby. I've been called up for a white-collar crime case. But now that you've listened to that financial review podcast... I'd have to strike myself out, wouldn't I? <laughs> I, I know too much. I do. I know too much. But... I, that was, what was it called again? The sure thing. The sure thing. Oh, it was superb. Because it's, the interview with the, one of the two guys who was happy to talk was just so absorbing. Um, and the testimony from like the ASIC people, the cops, it was absolutely gripping. I couldn't It, it, it was one of those ones where we kept ringing each other or texting and going... Um, Oh my God! Have you listened to the one where the police actually do the raid on the house? Or what about what about he's going to prison in the one next week? Like it was just yeah, it was really really something. Um, okay, cooking. I had a really good uh, test this year of what my favourite cookbooks are because I moved out of my own house into a two bedroom rental, which has just been super trying and which I never would have done if I'd known we were going into another long lockdown. No yard, boys sharing a room. <laughs> Can't invite anyone over because it's too small. It's just a nightmare. Um, yeah, it's got one of those. Um, she's borrowed a trestle table. Yeah, um, doing all my work on that. Anyway, uh, so I could only take limited numbers of things from my place, and so I thought, all right, I'm just going to take a couple of cookbooks because the kitchen. Not my OBE. I mean, no, yeah. like. <laughs> the kitchen's not set up really for cooking very much. Anyway, the two cookbooks I took were Simple by Yotamata Lenghi and The Cook's Companion by Stephanie Alexander because they're the ones that I use all the time. So that was a clear indication of what I mostly like to cook. But the other thing that I've cooked a lot this year was something that was cooked for me right at the start of the year and you and Jeremy and Katie, which was our friend Clive cooked this recipe. It's a Karen Martini recipe. You'll find it if you Google it. Roast lemongrass and turmeric chicken. It is so delicious and it's so easy. You basically chop um, lemongrass and chilli and um, turmeric and some fish sauce and a bit of brown sugar, whack some chicken thighs, marinate overnight, pull them out the next day, roast them for 40 minutes. Absolutely delicious. You can shred them and put them in a like a long roll with some coleslaw and make like a Vietnamese roll. You can put them in like a ramen-style soup. You can just serve them with vegetables. You can put them on rice it, and they're just... Absolutely beautiful. So I just really like the way you said ramen style soup just then. I don't know why. <laughs> and then I also think I really don't like saying chicken thighs. I don't like saying chicken thighs. I don't know why. <laughs> this is what I'm left with at the end of 21. <laughs> it's just like a series of completely unrelated observations <laughs> that really don't elicit a response of any kind. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, I've been cooking a lot. But I can't really remember any major movements in right. my... I mean, the lockdown dish um, for me um, has been Samin Nosrat's um, uh, Ligurian focaccia. Oh, yeah. If you haven't uh, found the recipe for that, which is easily searchable, um, you can even see the video of her cooking it, which is completely delightful because she's one of the world's most top shelf human beings but it's essentially like it's a really simple 
It's a really simple focaccia. Sorry. There's no way to say really simple focaccia without sounding like an absolute tosser. But there you go. Uh, so you, you basically get sort of five cups of flour and like a tiny bit of yeast and some water and you just stir it all in, you know, in a big bowl with a, you know... Um, wooden spoon and then you leave it or you put some oil on it and and then you leave it for 14 hours and it just goes all bubbly and amazing and then you sort of scrape it into a pan and then you let it rise again and then you drench it with oil and then you pour brine over the top of it like salt water and then you cook it and it's like it's ridiculous. It's the crunchiest, most fabulous thing. Anyway, uh, my colleague Brett Worthington from the Canberra Bureau of the ABC, who's here in the audience tonight, we have a very good cooking back and forth. Go, <laughs> go on, and I'm, you know, yeah, that's one of the ones that we've talked about. Um, all right. But cookbook, did you just give me the all right? <laughs> I know that. It's like you think I don't know that you're doing it. All right. All right. It's been a lovely night. <laughs> Well, See, I do it to guests on seven thirty. Well, then, as well. Like, oh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, minister. Okay, I do a bit of as well. Wait, I've written a whole chapter about this in our book, coming up for sale in the foyer. Um, and you have this thing that happens when the clock, like when we when we get towards the half hour. Out of curiosity, I think just I fell off the. <laughs> You're just ruining that tiara. Out of curiosity, just because I did feel kind of like a, a disturbance in the force. Can someone tell me what time it is? I can tell you. It's eight. It's eight fifty-six because it's coming to the top of the clock. <laughs> That is a She's like, 8.56, well, I've got to get out of I here, just gotta... say the goodbyes. Yeah. If there's a sort of like, if it's a Thursday, there'll be a funny little thing. That's so weird. I, I got a sensation as you were talking, like, okay, it's getting time to wrap. And, it's, and so that's, that's so weird because there's two things left, four minutes, that's about a four minute. So... <laughs> I love that you're explaining this to me like I haven't just completely nailed this tendency in you. Now if you're in writing, you're like, what you don't understand, Crab, is that I really know when the end of the hour is. Now, like, I, feel, now I feel like after this, I'm getting this sense of like calum in my ear going, three. Because now it's 8.57, yeah. right? So now it's three. That's why you get so weird in election broadcasts, which just never end. You get like, oh. you're all fine at the beginning, and then you get a bit wild-eyed at about the three-hour mark, and then you're like, woohoo! I find it very hard starting those shows where there's no actual end, if you know what I mean. It's like, okay, salesy, out you go, out there, yep, and I'm like, so like off. What I no just idea, said. Oh, out no. you go. <laughs> okay, two categories left, two minutes to go. Um, life experience, your favourite life experience. Oh, okay, I had a range of thoughts about this. I'm really curious to see if we're going to say one of the same things. Okay, yep. I've got a couple. I've got four. Okay, great. <laughs> Going to see picture a picture of Dorian Gray. Tick. <laughs> yes. Okay, that was just absolutely like unbelievable explosion of brilliance and madness in the middle of just a grey. It's on at Sydney Theatre Company again in 2022. I strongly Erin Norval playing. 24 different roles in a production of the picture of Dorian Gray, which isn't a play, it's a novel. It's like one of the very few that wasn't a play. And um, Kip Williams, the director of the Sydney Theatre Company, has adapted it and 
she just plays all the roles. One and of the best is, things I've ever seen. It Unbelievable. Is, it is prodigious. Okay, let's um, see if we've got any okay. others that match up. Another um, moment that I loved this year, and it's so stupid, but when we were recording a podcast and we were talking about something quite serious and you suddenly started reciting Pam Ayres. <laughs> and it was like serious stuff we were talking about and you went into a recitation of, I wish I had looked after me teeth. And I was just like, and like Pam Ayres is just like a distant presence in some like far flung and like probably abused by alcohol part of my brain. But somehow it just sort of went, sorry, what? <laughs> I wish I'd looked after my teeth. And I, so it was in the middle of, I don't know, some complete rubbish happening. And we just laughed so hard. Like, your <laughs> terrible judgment in raising this poem at this uh, inappropriate moment. We could never recover the gravitas of the enterprise after that. But I just, I laughed so hard. I just thought that was amazing wow. because oh, yeah, nice. that was the moment it. of the year. And then the other, like, great moment... Um, happened to me last weekend when um, we went to Pearl Beach for one night to um, stay with a friend and we were like walking around on the beach and oh. I know, we haven't been anywhere. I saw an octopus, just saw an octopus in an ocean pool and it was just on the edge of the ocean pool. We were looking at sea cucumbery sort of sea slug things and it just like showed up and started waving its crazy arms around. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, kids, and it really was and it stuck around and it was just like the funniest thing about that video was actually the, the audio of everyone reacting to the octopus it was it, it, that was pretty amazing I can't believe that we didn't double up on one of the others which was opening night of Hamilton oh yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> I just forgot about that when was that <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. yes, that was uh, a that was a pulse racing moment yeah. um, I was going to also say our own show in Brisbane just because we hadn't done a live show in 18 months or so and um, we just nearly every other show had been cancelled and for whatever reason we'd kept this day like 48 hours where you could go to Brisbane it was the, and that happened yes. to be when our show was yeah. on we're just like it was trap. Like we couldn't believe that we could not believe that we hadn't had to cancel it. And then we sort of got up there and we were amazed that we were there. And then I remember I went out and had drinks in the afternoon with some friends from university who were great girls. And so it was a really fun afternoon. And then we went to the show and it was just a great kind of vibe. And it was just so thrilling that we got to do a show. And just because the, you know as everyone here tonight knows, the vibe in a room of chatters is always very warm and friendly and great. And so, yeah, it was just so nice to be back in that. So I was going to say that. And then my other favourite was just at the same uh, trip where Clive made us the, chi- the chicken, the people who owned the property had this little sausage dog called Frank. And he was so cute. Oh, Frank. I just loved him so much. And we're going back there this January and the, my kids and I all the time just go, we're going to see Frank. Is Frank going to be there? <laughs> The great thing is that um, you earlier in the dressing room were... We don't actually share our lists with each other so we can maintain this level of magic. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I was just like, hmm, what does Frank mean? What's that like? <laughs> and Beck Francis, also known as Frank, who's here tonight, come here from Melbourne. Yeah! who is the the high priestess of the Facebook group and just, you know, beyond platinum chatter. (laughs) Sitting there with Christy Hunter, who you'll also know, major Patchett fan. She'll be pleased that you were nice about Anne this evening. Um, 
uh, Frank's like, oh, I've made the list as a magical moment. <laughs> and, she's, and the sales is like, no, it's the, it's the sausage dog. <laughs> You are a magical moment. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, last category, favourite Instagram account. Because we both seem to have gotten a bit more into Instagram in the past few years. Three or four years. I love that you're just transferring that onto me. This, well, um, this category is here is because you have a favourite Instagram account that you're massively keen to. Not really. I do really? have one, but I only... I oh, really? No, oh, really. Okay. No, we have been doing a bit more Instagram. It's just because my beauty is just, like, increasing with age. <laughs> As Shane has pointed out, uh, I feel like when you're, you know, when you're ageing like this, why don't you just hang it out there? <laughs> the fact that we're both slightly more into Instagram must mean Instagram's moment's over. Oh, 100%. Don't you think? Yeah, it's done. One zero it zero is over. Yeah, it's, it's over. over. Yep. Pretty soon, you know, a couple of, couple of years' time, we'll be doing this show, we'll be going, oh, I'm really enjoying TikTok this year. TikToks and doing lots of good. I mean, you you have this essentially spin-off show with Chris Saul, who is I the do. Um, you know is the architect of the um, the seven thirty wardrobe matrix, giving um, insights into such classic outfits that are listed in our book. Actually, like um, my personal favourite, Mum's third wedding, which is uh, a, white a white suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been doing a countdown for the final four weeks of 7.30 about what outfit I'm wearing and what our nickname is because we have this kind of shorthand here that I use between us. What are you going to wear tonight? I don't know, maybe Mum's Third Wedding, maybe The Matrix, I'm not sure. And so we sort of have these, maybe Regional Italian Airline. So we've been doing a reveal. A reveal. Regional Italian Airline is very stylish but not quite Alitalia, just it's sort of like... <laughs> Slightly less stylish. Yeah. We've got a one. I'll give everyone a little sneak peek of one we've got on Monday that we're very proud of. That we couldn't really think of. In, we had a lot of trouble coming up with a nickname. It's a tan leather skirt and just a plain black top. So very plain kind of outfit. Tan leather. Tan leather, and it, it didn't really lend itself to a nickname. And then Chris goes, um, "You know what? I think maybe let's call it Bachelor Pad because." <laughs> and he goes, he goes, because it's reminding me of a man I used to date who had. <laughs> who had a tan leather couch with black cushions. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty universal. <laughs> I was just, yeah. He's he a, is a very funny, funny, man. funny man. No, my f- favourite Instagram is accidentally Wes Anderson, which is this person who keeps these... Uh, it's an account where people send photos or they, they get photos of just scenes out of life that look like a scene in a Wes Anderson film. So it'll be a kind of... Actually, I remember one time in Canberra, I don't know where it is, but there's like a, a pool and I saw the outside of it and I thought, oh, that looks like a Wes Anderson thing, like just the kind of... Um, Facade at the front looks very red. Was Anderson very symmetrical? Lots of bright colours. Anyway, it's a really wonderful account. You know, there's a new one, right? The Wes Anderson French Dispatch. Oh yeah, in, new which, film yeah, um, coming out. Yeah. I also love um, House of Hackney, which is a London um, wallpaper slash fabric manufacturer, and it's just really pretty. <laughs> I just like looking. Oh, that's pretty. <laughs> Wow. That's sort of where we all are, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I don't really think about my favourite Instagram accounts. I always um, look out for um, my friend and colleague, Steph Tisdall. Um, she's got a couple of accounts. There's one called Steph Tisdall Comedy. But, like, and she's also in Total Control, by the way. She's an amazing person and um, uh, just such good company funny, friendly, insightful and on um, Instagram she's just like she just 
tells you what's going on in her brain. And she's got this most incredible bird called Michael Parkinson. And it's a parrot. Um, I can't remember, sorry, Steph, I can't remember what kind of parrot it is, but it's like completely devoted to her. She is devoted to it. When she was filming Total Control, and they were like filming, you know, Broken Hill, you know, all over the place, she would drive so she could take her bird along, and that bird is just an outstanding member of society. <laughs> just like, oh, what? what does it do? It goes... <laughs> and it does... Um, it just loves her. And the relationship between woman and bird... Like, so I'm, I'm allowed to be creepy about Steph because like, we have worked together. She was um, in uh, our podcast, our misrepresented pod- podcast. We co-hosted that and... Um, it's just like, I would really do anything to spend more time with that lady. She is awesome and her bird is great. So um, <laughs> that, you know, that is the first thing that um, sprang to mind when I thought, who's got a good Instagram account? That one is pretty great. And I also like the Tiny Pricks Project. Is anyone following that one? Yeah, it's an embroidery one. It's one of my suite of embroidery uh, Instagram accounts that I follow. Do I do embroidery? No, sir, I do not. Uh, but... <laughs> I like to see other people do it. And our, um, our uh, friend Amy's Grandpa Cat, at Amy's Grandpa Cat, why do people have these crazy names on it? Anyway, she's the one who embroidered the um, front cover of our book. Oh. Because this was Gwen's right. sort of brilliant idea. Oh, why don't we get the title pages and chapters embroidered? And we're like, okay, Gwen, that sounds like... <laughs> A very Gwen idea, and of course, it's completely brilliant, and done by this woman, Amy's grandpa cat, uh, who has also a terrific Instagram account. And that actually brings me to one of the other great moments of the year. I know we're like three trying to mind. No, I'm trying to. Can I just say, Gwen Blake, mistress of merch, even now, uh, just extending her work week so that she can send out more things to more people. But like this woman has sold doormats online. I just thought it was the stupidest idea I've ever heard. She's like, I'm going to make well hello do- doormats. And when I say she found someone who, ma- who makes them, this completely bewildered woman in, in WA, that she's hundreds, thousands of them. They're, they're people and are crazed for them. It's bizarre. It's so, and they're so difficult to send. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, do you really need one? <laughs> Actually, well, yes. And um, I, I but, saw... Gwenny, Gwenny, can't you make pencils? No, I just like... <laughs> she was, I mean, with the bookmarks. Now, that's practical. But, <laughs> so I just, I, I take my hat off to Gwen Blake. And as I was dropping my dog to her house this morning, she said, yes, just had a, an order for five doormats. This person wants two big ones and three small ones. And Gwen's just like, what's going on there, do you think? Like, (laughs) one day I didn't need any doormats and now I need five. (laughs) It's not the sort of thing that you really... Anyway, isn't the the world an interesting place? Now, now let me say three things to wrap up. One is... (laughs) 
I came over on Paul Kelly for a minute. There are three things I could say to wrap up. Um, the first is, thank you so much, everybody, for coming out tonight. We have so been looking forward to it and just being in a, a room on stage with an audience. Um, so thank you very much. It's Even been... on the vomitous drive where we were crying a little bit, um, we're still looking forward still to looking it. Still looking forward to it. Um, number two is, for anyone who wants a signed book, we'll be out signing them in a moment. And number three is, Shane... If you're watching on the live stream at home, we should be back in our hotel room in about an hour or so. <laughs> Thanks for your company. Good night.